Welcome back to the For the Berg podcast. Ron Gaeta here. My guest for today's show is the lead singer of a band that just put out their 10th album titled A Beautiful Place to Drown. They are currently celebrating their 20th year anniversary. Shane Told from Silverstein gave me an awesome interview, guys. We broke down every single album that Silverstein has released. He shows a lot of Pittsburgh love, including a big shout out to Dancing Gnome Brewery. So enjoy the show. Nope. Mr. Pop. All right, guys, I have Shane Told from Silverstein and River Oaks with me here today. Shane, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, 20 years as a band, Silverstein, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, man. Like, uh, you know, it's it's been 20 years, and I'm 39, so it's been more than half my life uh, I've been in this band. So, yeah, it's kind of wild uh, when you think of it like that, and you think about all the things, you know, we've done, and all the records, and all the shows, and um, but what's kind of like amazing is, is how, how well my memory is held up, uh, for those old days. Like I can remember pretty much, I think every show we've ever played. Wow. So it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Cause you know, 20 years is a long time, but in some ways it's gone by so fast. Dude, that's, that's crazy. I can't imagine doing anything for 20 straight years, let alone <laughs> being a relevant rock band for that long. That That's awesome. Something I wanted to do here, when Taking Back Sunday had their 20-year anniversary, they did something on YouTube where they just kind of went through a rundown of every album mm-hmm. um, and just kind of said their, just their, their favorite song on each album, a little story. We could start from the beginning, go through to your most recent that just came out here last month, which is a great, great album. Thanks, um, man. So yeah, if you just want to, if we can get started here with... Uh, when Broken is Easily Fixed here in 2003. Uh, just maybe mm-hmm. your favorite song on that album or favorite song to play live or just a little story about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you know, it's our first record. And, and like a lot of bands, you know, your first album ends up kind of being like like a compilation of everything you'd written as a band up to that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way we approached it. So we had, we had songs like you know came out in 2003 the band started in 2000 so we had songs that were like three years old uh when that record came out because we were like hey man these songs are still pretty good so it's 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 kind of a a bit of a disjointed record like i think it's kind of interesting that um like for example the the like track two and track three both start with like clean guitar intros with nothing else like (laughs) it's kind of a weird approach to take um, you know, and that was just stuff that we, I don't know, we were a young band, you know, we didn't know what to right. do. It was the first kind of like the first record we'd ever recorded. Um, what any of us had really recorded, you know, so we were learning a lot, but I'd say like, if I had to pick a favorite song, um, it would be a bit of a deep cut track nine. It's called wish I could forget you. It's a song that not a lot of people really talk about, um, but and we never really played it live until we did that entire record for the 15 year anniversary, uh, whenever that was two years ago mm-hmm. and a uh, year and a half ago. And that song, we really enjoyed playing it. All of us did. It was it was really fun. And 
it's got a cool um a cool vibe and it's also the i believe the second song we ever wrote as a band wow that's awesome in 2000 like it was we're talking about like our first practice <laughs> that riff existed you know that's that's really so cool. it's it's cool that after literally 20 years of that song um that that you know being written it's still it's still probably my my favorite from that record uh moving on 2005 we have mm-hmm. discovering the waterfront yeah it's uh you know i talk on on my podcast um that i have i talk a lot about uh second records for bands um you know that the sophomore album and um the sophomore slump that happens in a lot of cases and my theory is that if you have a sophomore slump if you make a bad second record or i should say an unsuccessful second album as a band you pretty much can't recover from that. Um, there's almost zero cases in, you know, rock music history of that happening. Um, and we were really aware of it when we made the record. I think we we really knew that this was make or break for our band. You know, we had a little bit of hype on the first record and people were excited about it. Um, but I didn't think that it was great in terms of like the songs, you know, like, and I knew from, you know, playing in like my old punk band and, and I kind of knew how to write a song, but with Silverstein, the first album, we were really writing just like on feel, you know, like, Oh, that's a really cool part. Oh, that's a real cool part. Oh, that's a real cool part. Oh, that's a real cool part. (laughs) Well, we're at the three and a half minute mark. So I guess that's a song, you know, not realizing like when parts don't repeat, it's not catchy, <laughs> you know, no matter how good the parts are. So with, with, um, discovering the waterfront, we took that approach. Um, and we, we really just wrote great songs and it worked. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I think that was the album that a lot of people heard the first album they heard. And that's even the first album people hear today when they get into the band, you know, and when they hear about us, however, they, however people hear about a band anymore, they tend to check out Discovering the Waterfront. So it's an important record to us. And I think without it, we probably wouldn't be talking right now, man, if we'd not written right. that record. So, uh, yeah, very important. And as for a favorite song, uh, I'm going to go with my uh, with uh, um, Call It Karma. I almost said my heroine. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to go with Call It Karma because that was a really, um, a really important song lyrically for me and what I was going through at that time in my life. And uh, I think that that sort of cemented, in my mind, how important lyrics are when you're writing a song. Because before that, I was, you know, I'm a guitar player first, and I was always, I was always interested in a cool guitar riff or a cool, uh, um, you know, musical idea. And lyrics were sort of, I mean, they were important to me, and I took them seriously. But I did, I never thought lyrics were like, an, were a make or break for music. Until I wrote Call It Karma, and I thought that, yeah, the song's okay. But once the lyrics came together, it really pushed the song into a new place. Uh, and ever since that, I've been much more aware and conscientious of uh, conscientious. Conscientious. That's such a hard word to say, isn't it? Conscientious. <laughs> conscientious of lyrics since, uh, since, I, since I wrote that one. Awesome. My my favorite Silverstein song, uh, song comes from that album, uh, "Smile in Your Sleeve." That's a great song. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. That that was yeah. a that was a really important song, you know, for our band as well, because that was the first song we released after our first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it was really weird. It was a weird idea, but we we did like 
a demo version. And, you know, back then, people don't remember, but but back then people, uh, the, the big thing was like sampler CDs. Yeah, yeah. So, so they would, so the labels, you know, they would make a CD with like, sometimes, sometimes it just had one band on it, but, you know, maybe sometimes two, sometimes like a whole bunch. And they would basically go to record stores and leave them by the front door or by the cash, or they'd go to shows or festivals and hand them out. And people were like, oh, shit, free CD. Like, that's cool. And, you know, a lot of people from those early days used to tell us that they heard our band that way. And I remember, I don't remember the occasion. Um, it might have been Warp Tour. That makes sense to me that we were on Warp Tour in 2005 and Victory wanted to put one of our new songs on one of those sampler CDs, but we didn't have one yet. Cause we, cause the record wasn't done. I might be, I might be misremembering it, but it's something, it was something like that. And then, um, and then we, we recorded a kind of a shitty version of that song, but it didn't matter. Like people really, really liked that song right away. And I remember playing it live on Warp Tour before the album came out. And it was like, it was like getting the biggest reaction of any of our songs. And it was new. Right. So that was that was a really cool well, that feeling. breakdown so, at the end. I mean, that's come on. Uh, people are going to yeah, freak I guess out. So, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to we used to call that the hospital part because because uh, <laughs> that was when people were putting each other in the hospital. That's um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was it definitely that was a very, very important song and uh, still is, you know, one of our most loved. A couple years later here, 2007 Arrivals and Departures. Yeah. And that that was a step back for us. Um, definitely. I think. We got a little caught up in the everything extraneous to songwriting, I think. I think we started thinking about, I don't know, I mean, the road became so important and, you know, we were all involved in relationships that seemed to kind of take over a little bit. And it's not that we didn't put the work in or the time in. I just think that we we didn't have the ideas and instead of saying, whoa, 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 time out, time out, let's take another even month and be like, we got to write. Like, let's take a, another month to write and maybe we'll come up with something better. Instead of doing that, we already had like our whole p- career planned, you know, like we were we're going on. We're, we're doing this record and then we're we're going on tour with Rise Against all summer and the record's coming out. And then, you know, we had all these things planned that we needed to have the album out for. And that took away from the actual creative process. Um, we also worked with Mark Trombino, who a very legendary producer. Uh, he made, you know, he did all the Jimmy early Jimmy Eat World records. He did Blink-182 Dude Ranch. Um, you know, he, he just he's a, like a legendary guy, but we didn't really work with him very well. And not to mention, we recorded that record in Los Angeles. And the first record, the second, sorry, the second record, uh, Discovering the Waterfront, we made that in California too, but we made it in Orange County. Um, There was a little less going on and we didn't really know that many people in California at that time. But then after, after touring on Discovering the Waterfront for like two years, we knew everyone in LA. So it was like, oh, studio day is done. Hey, like, let's go, you know, party. And I remember that record, like, I did a lot of partying during that record. So in hindsight, that was probably a bad call. Um, Yeah, so it's too bad because I think that at that point, 
um, we, as a band, we, we just come off like such a loved record and all eyes were on us, you know, like MTV was going to play whatever video we gave them and they did, but I just wish we had a better song, <laughs> uh, you know, cause if we, if we did, then, then who knows like what our traje- trajectory would have been, um, in terms of my favorite song on the record, uh, probably. There's a there's a couple I like I like the song Worlds Apart a lot. Uh, kind of a it's kind of a bit of a My Chemical Romance ripoff, but I but I do like it. And uh, there's a song another deep cut called uh, The Sand Will Turn to Glass, which which I like a lot too. Awesome. What was the song that you sent to uh, MTV that you regret? Oh sending them? yeah, it was well it was called um, If You Could See Into My Soul. We made this video. We actually. Um, we actually made it in Latrobe, PA. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we stayed in. It was a Pittsburgh um, uh, film company, Endeavor Me- Endeavor Films or Endeavor Media, they were called. Mm-hmm. Really, really good film company. And I think those guys went on to do. They're doing some pretty, pretty big stuff now with documentary films. Um, but yeah, so it was 2007, and we did this video where we robbed a bank, mm-hmm. right in downtown Latrobe, PA. We, <laughs> we robbed a bank. Uh, it was an old it was an old bank that had been, you know, like gutted, but they made it look like it was still, um, you know, working and, and it had like a vault and everything. It was it was actually not a bad video, except this was like when they you weren't allowed to have. Well, you're still not, I guess, but you weren't allowed to have like guns on TV. Yeah. So we robbed a bank with like baseball bats. <laughs> so that was a little unrealistic. But uh, but the video was OK. And and it, it did get played. I mean, yeah. it was it was getting played like in the mornings between like Rihanna and Justin Timberlake. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that record still sold like 200,000 copies or something like yeah, well. it was it was a success in terms of like, I don't know, it was commercially it was successful, but everybody was still kind of buying it because they liked the record before, you know, it, it wasn't. Right. It, and then after a while, I think people realized mm, maybe that record's not as good as the mm-hmm. other one. So, yeah. A shipwreck in the sand? Yeah, shipwreck in the sand, complete opposite of Arrivals and Departures. Like, we had made the two records pretty much the same, Arrivals and Departures and Discovering the Waterfront. One was successful, one was not. And I had the idea to totally flip the creative process on its head and write, like, a crazy concept album. So I wrote this story about this family and all these little intricacies and and I had this idea to have there be a song in the middle of the record called The Shipwreck in the Sand. That's an analogy for their whole family life and, and, and their relationship. And I just had this crazy idea and spent so much time and sleepless nights and and lack of uh, really a lack of uh, uh, anything else. You know, um, it was a real like this needs to be good. This needs to be successful. Because the last one was so disappointing, and um, I really put it, took it upon myself. And um, sure enough, it's still to this day one of my favorites. Uh, difficult record to make, but we booked like two straight months uh, in the studio in Toronto. We made it in Toronto too, where we lived, because we didn't want those distractions like we had uh, the record before. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just it's just a really really solid record with a cool concept, and for me. Uh, I was really proud of it because it sort of proved to me that I was capable of of more, you know, of of putting together something that was so intricate. Awesome. Well, so what would your favorite song to play off of that one? Be? Uh, I'd say my favorite my favorite song 
Um, and I, yeah, I like to play to you, but but just you know, just looking back at the record, there's a song on the record called "Born Dead," and it's a fast, like super fast punk song. Which like like before um, Silverstein, I was in this this punk band called Jerk Circus, and you know, real fast like skate punk. And uh, I took actually a couple of riffs I had from that band, and I kind of put it into like the Silverstein environment. Um, and I wrote that song about this is back in 2009, but I wrote the song about the U.S. healthcare system. Mm. Um, I guess 2008, and you know, or lack thereof uh, right. healthcare system and all the problems. And it and it's I like the song because it rings true if not more true with everything going on right now with COVID-19 April, it's like April 7th today or 7th, something yeah. like it's or yeah, 8th, just for actually, context. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's even more uh, relevant today just with all that going on healthcare field and all the issues that are, are going on in, in the United States. So um, yeah, that's, that's what the song's about. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun jam. It's a really, really uh, a song that I'm, I, I really like as well. Awesome. Um, next here, 2011 Rescue. Yeah, Rescue. Uh, kind of a weird time in our career. We we did you know we did four albums with Victory Records. We'd signed a, a four album deal, and Shipwreck in the Sand was the last one. And right after um, Shipwreck in the Sand was finished, we knew we weren't going to re-sign to Victory. Uh, so what we did is we we started writing and recording demos immediately to show to other labels. So really, really early on, like right after Shipwreck in the Sand came out, we started working on it. And I think because uh, Shipwreck in the Sand was so laborious, I think I wasn't there creatively yet. Like I think it, it Shipwreck had taken so much out of me that the stuff I was writing, I thought it was fine but but most of the songs I was kind of like, yeah, this is just OK. And it was it was it was hard to just write a song that wasn't tied to like a grand concept. It didn't feel like as exciting to me, but we needed demos. So we did like six demos um, and then, you know, we started sending them out around to labels and a bunch of labels really wanted to sign us. And then we did like another six demos and those 12 songs pretty much became rescue. But the way we, we did it. I feel like that record is really disjointed. Like it doesn't feel like a consistent solid record. It feels like 12 songs written at 12 different times about 12 different things. And it, it, it doesn't feel like a good snapshot of, of a time, which I kind of feel like a record should be. So, yeah. So I think that record um, fell a little bit flat for me and um, it did okay. But, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's not my favorite. Would you have wished that you guys put those songs kind of just out as singles or instead well, of time, instead of full album or? Well, at the time that wasn't that wasn't a thing yet. Oh really. yeah, I guess we're you know like 2000, this 2000. Yeah, it's 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 uh crazy. I think that's almost 10 years ago. But yeah, like you know there was iTunes. You know now was that's when iTunes started becoming very popular, and you know CDs were selling less. They were still selling, but they were selling less. Streaming wasn't a thing yet though. And, you know, at that time, uh, really, like, I guess, uh, you know, a band just wouldn't do that. So what we should have done is probably taken the same approach that we did with Arrivals and Departures and said, hey, we need a little more time and we need to write some more songs. But I think because we had those 
12 songs like demoed and demoed well, we kind of felt like the record was done. And we sat on those songs like like some producers will call it uh, they'll call it demoitis, mm-hmm. which is basically like you've heard the demo so many times that that's just the way the song goes now. And you can't imagine the song any differently. And I think that that happened to us and that in the end, those songs were just sort of mediocre. And that's how I feel about it. It's a mediocre yeah. album. Yeah. Appreciate the honesty there. That That's yeah. uh, 2012. Well, they all came, I mean, they oh, all no, came from my favorites, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a shitty record, but but no, I, I, it's not. It's it's probably out of my 10. It's probably like number eight or something, you know. Got it. And my favorite song from Rescue, just to oh, yeah. keep okay. with the consistency for those yep, anal no. listeners, I'm going to go with a song called Darling Harbor. It's kind of a slow jam, but I, I like the lyrics a lot. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, so short songs. Okay, so I can can tell you why short songs happen because a lot of people look at that record and go, "That's weird." Um, <laughs> and the concept was was to do originally, like I said, we we'd done rescue so early on. Uh, we'd you know we'd um, we had all those songs written and finished and completed. That by the time rescue came out, we were kind of bored, and we were sitting around for a couple months and we were like, what can we do? Like, like what could be fun? And I had this idea. I had this idea to write like five, like a 10 song EP where all the songs were under 90 seconds, five originals, five covers. Well, that quickly turned into 11 originals and 11 mm-hmm. covers, uh, 22 songs in 19 minutes. And yeah. that was the idea, <laughs> like kind of random, but like a lot of us that grew up with nineties punk rock, there were always, there were always albums like every punk album had like a couple really, really short songs on it. And sometimes those were my favorite songs. So we just tried to do something like that, something completely different. A lot of people didn't get it, um, but it was really fun. And I, I that record is, is abs- actually like one of my favorite things we've done. I think those songs are great. I think they're really, really quite like quite interesting. And, you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to write a song in under a minute and a half. That's still good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a fun record, and I think my favorite song on that one was probably probably One Last Dance, I'd say. Cool. Uh, next here, This Is How the Wind Shifts? Yes. Awesome. Yes. So that's um, that's the record we had. We've only had one member change now. Uh, all these records, we had the same lineup. And that's impressive now. right there. I mean, that's that in its own right is pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like 10 years yeah. with the same lineup. Actually, more than 10 years with the same lineup. So then, yeah, our guitar player, um, we had to let him go. And we got our friend Paul Mark to join the band. He, he had been working for us as a merch guy, a guitar tech, you know. So he came in and right away just started writing. And uh, it was awesome because he kind of it was a fresh spin that he was able to put on on the music. And uh, we made This Out of the Wind Shifts, which is one of our most loved records by our fans. A lot of It's a lot of our fans' number one record. And um, for me, it's it's definitely in the top like three as well. And uh, it was a really, really, really great record for us. Favorite song on that one? Well, you know, the song. So so the songs um, on the record, it's another concept album, too, okay. which after Rescue was not. And then I think we like I missed it a little bit. I missed the idea of writing in a concept. So I, I wrote this this concept to have these tracks paired up. And um, and what I did I wrote this song, well, two songs. One is called This Is How, and the other is called The Wind Shifts. 
And when you play them on top of each other, they form a third song. So that was a pretty crazy idea that I had. Yeah, that's and crazy. My, that's pretty My awesome. band thought I was nuts and was <laughs> like, how is that, how's that going to work? But I made it work. So it's a, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool um, idea just that I had and, and it worked pretty well. Um, I had one song in a major key, one song in a minor key. And when they're overlaid, they, they kind of the lyrics, one song's kind of super positive and the other one's kind of negative and sort of like a light versus dark duality. But together they, they form kind of a cool little, um, a little story. So yeah, it was a, it was a special, a special thing and a, a special songs that are my favorite. That's really cool. Uh, next year, what, what year are we in now? 2015. Um, I'm alive in everything I touch. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, another record that I, I really like it. I really like that record, and I think it's it's under a little bit underrated um, because the, the next one, Dead Reflection, people loved it so much, and people loved um, this out of the wind shift so much that I feel like this one got a little bit lost, but. Uh, it's also a pretty cool concept record where the first track is called Toronto abridged and the last song is called Toronto as well. And each song on the record represents a different city, kind of like, you know, you, if you're going on a tour and each song, each song is about a specific city and a specific um, incident or story that I had, you know, going back over the uh, at that time, the first 15 years of our career. And I think a lot of those songs are great. And uh, yeah, it was it was a fun record to make. And, and I think, yeah, I think like it's really solid. I think there's a lot of really great, great songs on it. Awesome. And then you you mentioned the next record, uh, Dead Reflection. Yes, but my favorite song. Oh, yeah, there we go. From <laughs> the second time I missed it. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. From, from I, I'm Alive. I'd say my favorite song. I'm going to go with a song near the end of the record called Je Me Souviens. It is... Uh, it's a song about Montreal. Uh, it's the second last track before Toronto, and that's kind of how it happens. A lot of times we're on tour and we go all over the the continent, and then the second last show is in Montreal before we we come back down to Toronto, where we you know where we're from, and it's kind of reflective of that in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a deep cut, and it's but it's a song that a lot of our, our biggest fans uh, really really like and. Yeah, it's it's a cool song. I really like it. Awesome. Uh, so now we can get into Dead Reflection. Yes, Dead Reflection. So after I'm Live and Everything I Touch, um, in 2015, at the beginning of 2016, I went through a pretty rough time, a pretty rough breakup, and um, a lot like kind of my my life was was sort of. I went through some upheaval and, uh, you know, it was a dark place. So 2016 through 2017, the beginning of it was just, just, just tough. And for dead reflection, um, I didn't have a place to live anymore. So, uh, I was kind of living like before we we recorded the record, I was kind of living wherever, renting random Airbnbs, staying with friends, you know, living a bit of a nomadic sort of, I don't give a fuck, uh, lifestyle, drinking a lot, you know, just, just doing a lot of dangerous (laughs) stuff. (laughs) And, uh, and I guess like right when we, so we started recording the record, 
I said, okay, well, I have to, to be around. I have to kind of get my shit together because, you know, I, I'm, I'm the singer of this band, you know, I need to, and, and I'm, you know, I've, I'm a songwriter in this band. I, I have to be there. So I, I rented this Airbnb in Toronto, right across the street from the studio. It was like a two minute walk from the door of this condo to the door of the studio. Like it was really, really close. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to be here. You know, I'm going to be able to like really focus on the record and myself and just, you know, it's going to be great, you know? And that didn't happen. <laughs> I got in this, I got this condo. It looked great in the pictures and it was expensive. And, and then it was just the most like plastic, like lifeless, just, just horrible building. Like everything about it was just really, really depressing. And it was a really, really tough record for me to make. And I think it's a depressing, dark record lyrically because that's what I was going through. But that being said, there's some great songs on there and uh, we worked really hard on it. And uh, to this day, it's uh, well, to this day, it's only been three years, but <laughs> our fans love that one, too. That's that's uh, constantly in, in our, you know, talked about as our, one of our most loved. And I think it's a good record, too. But for me, it is kind of hard to listen back to because just because of what I was going through. Right. Do you have a favorite song on that one? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that, that one might be tough to have a favorite song on or... <laughs> I, I would say uh what about the uh, the fan favorite song whatever you th- you think that, well uh, no i I'll, I'll give you a little story i mean i mean i'd say my the one that the song that's that's i wouldn't say it's my favorite but it's it's important there's a song called aquamarine which i wrote just literally about what i went through and i didn't I didn't really try to be poetic. <laughs> I just tried to say, hey, this is like exactly what happened. And there's references there to, you know, specific conversations. And, you know, when you do that, I think um, it it makes it even more brutal for yourself. You know, um, every time you hear it, every time I sing that song, like there's certain lines in it where I'm like, I could just picture that in real life. You know, I didn't say that in a in a way that was like, oh, I'm just this is just a poem story. This is like real life shit, you know, and a hard mm-hmm. time in my life. So, yeah. So I'd say like it's hard to say that's my favorite, but it's it's definitely a very, very important song. And, and it's one that I think, interestingly enough, despite it being so real to me, a lot of fans can still relate to it in their own lives. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's kind of cool, too. You know, sometimes the most real shit to you can be the most real shit to other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, moving on now, just just last month, you guys released uh, A Beautiful Place to Drown, a great album. Yeah. Um, I was I was just trying to catch up on, on all my Silverstein before we talked. And man, this is a really awesome album. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's our ninth full length, 10th, uh, if you include short songs. And yeah, man, I, I got to tip my hat to Paul Mark for the writing on this one. I mean, he, he, he really, he, he had his own sort of dead reflection moment, um, not personally, but in terms of his work ethic, you know, he had this studio room that he like lived in for two months and he just wrote and wrote and wrote and collaborated with other people. And just the ideas he came, came up with were just insanely good. Um, and we just made this monster of a record that is basically like 12 singles 
you know, um, we, we didn't, there aren't a lot of like album tracks. Like I feel like all of those songs could have been singles and it's, it's a real banger of an album. And I think one thing we did too differently on this album is we really, really didn't worry too much about what people thought. We didn't worry really as much about what we'd done before or what we hadn't done before, more importantly. And we said, you know what, if this is right for the song, let's do it. If this if this song needs a saxophone solo, we'll put one in there. You know, um, we, we, we really did a lot of outside the box thinking. And, um, you know, a month in, it's still fresh, but uh, uh, it's been really, really well received and you know even even a lot of people that were a little bit like wtf when it came out you know in terms of just some it being a little bit different i've actually i actually had one person <laughs> who like was pissed like just what? just to be frank like i'll be completely honest he was pissed about what? this album coming out like he was like what the fuck why are like what are these instruments what are you doing what are these songs and i had a little bit like he swore at me on, you know, on on uh, uh, social media. Do you know this and person, or is it just a fan? Or? It's a fan, but I know, okay. I know, oh, okay. who, you know, I know him from over the years, and you know, I I didn't, you know, I mean, I I, I take his opinion, like I I didn't disregard. I, I thought about what he said, and I said, okay, you know, like I'm sorry, you feel that way, uh, you know, whatever. And then like last week, uh, I heard back from him, and he apologized to me, and he was like. I think this record is like might be maybe not my favorite, but like it, it's growing on me. It might be like one of my favorite Silver Sheen records. That's, that's awesome. And he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, like I was wrong. You know, <laughs> so it's it's funny, you know, how that happens. And, you know, it can grow. Music can grow and music can, you know, and I think that that just proves that there's something there. So, yeah, it's it's been um, it's been really well received and I'm really proud of the record. And, and in terms of my favorite song, I would say. I like a song called Shapeshift. Track five, it's just kind of a cool, it's a little bit different in terms of the, the rhythm of the chorus. It's got a really cool little different cadence to it. And I just like the vibe of it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's another political song. Uh, you know, Born Dead's a po- political song. And that's one of my favorites from Shipwreck in the Sand. And this is another one that's that's like that too. And you mentioned a uh, saxophone solo. There is a song on there with a saxophone solo. Uh, all all yeah. on me, right? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. The the guy that played the saxophone solo, his name is Saxel Rose. So that's incredible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I mean that song was a weird one from the start. That's a great um, song though. It's well, th- really well, good hey, song. Th- thank you. I mean, it was it was freaky in terms of like I got sent. Paulmark sent me a demo of it, and he was singing on it. And it was like all keyboard. And I was like, dude, this is far out. <laughs> like this, 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 like I thought about that guy that got mad. I was like, that guy or people like that guy are going to be like, not know what to think when they hear this song. <laughs> yeah. But of course, there we have this thing where whenever I sing on anything, it sounds like Silverstein. So, you know, so that kind of helped work it out. And um, and yeah, once we put it all together. Uh, the song, the song came out really, really good, and I think it's in a cool place in the middle of the record as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, so this this uh, podcast is called uh, For the Berg. So, 
can we get into any of um, your, your maybe your favorite venues or show memories in Pittsburgh or places to go out while on tour here? I know you mentioned uh, being in Latrobe filming that video, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah you know, it's interesting. Like, I, I love Pittsburgh so much. It's it's actually one of my favorite cities in America. And, and it's so pretty, man. You know, like yeah. downtown, all the bridges and it's really pretty. But, you know, it's too bad that not every tour goes to Pittsburgh. And, and I I it seems to get split, you know, between bands going to like Cleveland or, yeah. or, you know, instead, but I, I love Pittsburgh and I have so many great memories, um, you know, especially of the shows at Mr. Smalls. I mean, that, that place, you know, over the years, it's, it's just been, it's just been, they've been so good to us. And you've seen that place evolve, you know, from just being that little, little church on the hill to now it's kind of like a full scale venue with a bar and everything, yeah. you know, some great, some great shows there and uh the altar bar was a was a cool venue for a little while before unfortunately they shut their doors and then there was a, was that place um i feel like it was used to, it was called it's like changed names it was called like the world at one point and then it was called it was called something else but yeah that was a great venue too man and and it was right across around right around the corner from the uh, the original Tremonti brothers so yeah so we you know go around the corner and get the Got the the Permani sandwiches, fries. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the coleslaw fries on the sandwich. Um, yeah, man, that 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 was the shit. And uh, I got to give a big shout out to uh, my friends over at uh, Dancing Gnome. Yeah. Uh, a great, great brewery making like some of the best beer in America. Uh, seriously, and they've been so cool with us too, man. We like we roll up and. Uh, you know, they're fans of our, our band and, you know, they hook us up and I know they did like a, a collab beer with like uh, every time I die recently. So, um, yeah, that's that's really awesome. Like if you're from Pittsburgh and you're into craft beer and you don't know about Dancing Gnome, get over there. Well, sure. when we when we're allowed to do things again. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> who knows when that's going to be? Yeah, because that place is that place is is so tight. Um, um, I won a lot of casino. I won a lot of money uh, at the casino in Pittsburgh once too. Really? What's so, your game uh, there? Well, I, I'm kind of play everything. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like, a. I used to see a lot of people don't know this, but I, before the band made any money, uh, I was a professional poker player. So, wow. uh, so I used to play like, um, well, I played in casinos too, but a lot of it was online poker. Uh, when online poker was really big, you know, around 2004, 2005. And, uh, yeah, I, I did before the band really made any money. That was what I did. So I've kind of learned the ropes and read a lot of books about gambling. But at the time, but the when I won all the money in Pittsburgh, it's the is it the Rivers Casino? Is that what it's called? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was playing like an Iron Man slot machine. <laughs> and I like started out, I think I just started out with, you know, like you put a $20 bill on right. the machine and you're fucking around. And then I kept like winning. Um, and I kept like upping my bet, upping my bet until I was like max betting. And I hit some crazy thing where just the, uh, where Robert Downey Jr. just appeared all over the machine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the bells and whistles were going off and someone was coming over to pay me like $3,000. That's awesome. So yeah, so that was that was a great day in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, you have another uh, I want to say band, but it's more of a solo project, right? River Oaks. Yes, yeah. And you literally uh, write and record everything, every for every instrument. Uh... Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, exactly. Um, 
yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird now because it's been so long since I put that out. Um, you know, I, I think I always had this dream um, of doing it all myself. You know, of of writing songs and you know, because I can play everything okay. You know, I'm I'm drums are my worst instrument, but I can still play. And um, I don't know, I just had this idea to do it all myself, and so I did. So I wrote these those three songs and I recorded them and I put them out on a seven inch and it was really really well received and I did some shows I played at Smiling Moose then I don't know I've just kind of like been so busy with Silverstein that I haven't had a chance to put together a full length and now I think with this COVID-19 uh world hiatus that we're taking hopefully that gives me some time to write some more Rivrokes tunes and uh and I hopefully I can uh, have one have one written by the time this is all over and uh, be able to put out a, another another record. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So just to to sign off here, do you, do you know what a jagoff is? <laughs> I know it's a weird question. I've it's heard a Pits- the term. It's why, a Pittsburgh why? term. It's a Pittsburgh yeah. term. <laughs> well, the y- yins 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 is yeah yins. That's the one. Yep. Yins, That's the uh, one. I, I've heard jagoff before. I didn't know it was a Pittsburgh thing for some reason, but I've it, heard people say that. What it, does it mean? It means a dickhead, an asshole. Um, oh, okay. So jag, jag off. Well, I know jack off, but jack off. Yeah. Um, jag off. So it's kind of like a play on that, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I, I was I'm gonna try to do this every show since there's a Pittsburgh show. <laughs> I did it with Eddie Reyes and Anthony Green. They they didn't want to give me an answer, but they gave me an answer. And you don't have to if you don't want to. But okay. Thing thing called uh the daily jag off where uh just being famous yourself just so excited to to meet a specific celebrity that when you met them they just ended up being a jag off <laughs> oh dude dude nobody's gonna answer that question that's the <laughs> problem that's like got a couple I, I oh yeah well i mean yeah. i understand where you're like where you're you know it's exciting yeah, for people to hear about people being a prick but yeah i mean for the most part most people are gonna be like oh everybody's so nice and Oh, I haven't really run into anybody. And like for for the most part, that's a lie. But, you know, nobody wants to put anybody on blast and then end up, you know, whatever. So Eddie Um, gave me LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow and Anthony Green said Andrew Dice Clay. Um, A couple of the guys wanted to flip it the other way, though, which is cool if you want to. Just a guy maybe you didn't think was going to be as cool ended up being an awesome guy. um, I don't know. You know, my, my band, it's funny, like and this is this is as inside, I think, as I can get. But, you know, inevitably when you're on tour, like, let's see, let's say you're on a, on tour with like, you know, four other bands, which is pretty typical for like a Silverstein tour. Right. And you're talking about like all the members of the four other bands and all of their crew. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're talking about, you know, a couple dozen people usually. Right. Um, there's almost always one asshole <laughs> <laughs> it's just bound you know, up <laughs> or 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 maybe not an asshole but somebody that like rubs someone the wrong way right even if it doesn't rub everybody the wrong way there's like somebody right there's almost almost inevitably there's something like that right and i'm not saying that it's like it's like a huge thing or like a huge deal but like you know and they always there's always you know a joke that we have because someone in my band will be like, what's with like that dude or whatever, you know? And my response a hundred percent of the time is, Oh, I fucking love that guy. <laughs> I, fucking love like, that guy. I, I get along. I get along with everybody. Um, like almost always. And, and I always, 
I get made fun of for liking everybody. So, you know, for me, for me to be asked the jag off question, um, isn't the best, uh, I'm not the best person to ask, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, but, but, but yes, that's all I have, buddy. I, I appreciate it. Man. I know we went a little over what we talked about. I do apologize about that, but <laughs> there are no clocks in this world. dude. Yeah, right. it is. We are living in a clockless, clockless society. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. Um, anything else you, you want to say before we uh, sign off here? Yeah. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Uh, and the quicker, the, the more that you do that and stay away from other people, the more we can get back to life and the more I can get back to playing music with my friends. Hell yeah. Then we can get on that 20 anniversary tour and hear more That's of a right. beautiful place to drown. Awesome album. That's right. That's right. <laughs> check out, check out those, those rescheduled dates. Uh, we didn't cancel them. We, we were, we managed to reschedule every single date and we uh, we got a new record too, which I don't want to say it's been forgotten about, but a lot like you know we re- literally released it, and then like three days later the world exploded. Right. So um yeah so if if anybody missed it because they were watching uh you know M- MSNBC or CNN or whatever with their eyes glued to the radio uh, the t- radio eyes glued to the radio <laughs> eyes glued to the TV for like two weeks and missed the record go back and check it out it's called a beautiful place to drown. Hell yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, Ron. Take care, man. Nope. Mr. Pop. So that was episode three of the For the Berg podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Next week, I have Joey Bradford from The Used, who has a new album dropping April 24th. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out the next episode. Thanks, guys.